Alright, I'm going to start this off by saying there's going to be some noise pollution. I'm in the storage unit. There's a reason why. And it's partially because I had to come here anyway. Thought I'd try doing um, an episode here, a review, and because I have these physical albums here uh, in the storage unit. So, last two times I did reviews, um, I was finishing off the top 10 albums that changed my life, or the real top 10 albums that changed my life. There's a reason why it's a distinction. Um, I, I, I did album 9 and 10, and I didn't have the physical albums with me. But again, I needed to come to the storage unit today, so I thought I would just come, have the physical albums, and uh, try something out here. However, because lighting issues, if you're watching this and not just listening to the podcast, which is an option, Artist Personal Journalist is the podcast. You can look for that, follow my link tree, you can get to it. Um, I need to have this garage door open. So, uh, it's really hot if I don't, and there's not enough light if I don't. However, we're right by the highway. So, anyway... This is not about specific Trevor Something albums, necessarily. And it's not just about Trevor Something, but it's a lot about Trevor Something. And I do want to focus on two specific albums, more than, than others. Um, but I also want to talk about Retrowave, or Synthwave, um, in, in general. So I think, depending on who you are, you, you've heard these terms, um, and you might use one more than the other. Maybe Synthwave, maybe Retrowave, maybe you use them both interchangeably. Uh, I tend to use Retrowave in a different way than Synthwave, because I think Synthwave is still something that um, was used in a certain time period. I think Retrowave is the distinction. I mean, you could call Synthwave stuff from the 80s. Synthpop, Synthwave, um, New Wave, and that's all kind of slightly loosely related. Whereas now, you know, 40 years later, uh, ridiculous, 40 years later, calling it retrowave is giving it the distinction of like we are acknowledging what has come before we're acknowledging the influences we're doing this contemporary times but acknowledging this is a retro sound that we are incorporating very aware of that so that's kind of where i land on the, those terms okay so this starts actually with a movie this starts with the movie drive um Ryan Gosling kills it, redeems himself from doing, you know, the notebook role, which won't even get into that. Uh, but Drive, it is one of my top ten favorite movies, and it is an amazing movie, and if you have not seen it, you should watch it. It's phenomenal. It is just the complete package, and the whole reason that this starts with that, I mean, you might know where this is going if you are already a fan of this genre of music. Um, the reason this, 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 like, oh. It's just, like I said, it's, it's a masterwork. It's so complete with the, the filmography, you know, like, the director of photography, everything that was going on, um, you know, dialogue, script, acting, directing, music choice. So, uh, yes, the music, the soundtrack is absolutely phenomenal. This is the only time that I've ever done this in a theater. I pulled out my phone after I'd already turned it off. I turned it on, and I had to sound hound the song. Night Call by Kavinsky. Opening credits. Had to do it. Had to do it. I had no freaking idea what this was. I had no idea that this genre of music existed. I didn't know what to call it at the time, but it just hit me right in the soul. So the song Night Call by Kavinsky strongly featured as the dominant, like, it's like the anthem to the movie Drive. It's amazing, and it 
brought me into this whole genre of music, that one song from that movie. A ton of reasons you should watch Drive besides the soundtrack, but the soundtrack is tight. Um, so Drive came out in 2011. It is now 2020. You know, Night Call uh, was 2010, I think, and, and yeah. So Kavinsky was the first thing that I, I followed up on. I was like, I gotta get more of this guy. I gotta see what's up with this dude Kavinsky, you know, French musician. Um, hadn't really, I think maybe 2005 or so, so like five years before sort of being active. Um, maybe not even that long. Uh, and he just introduced me to, like, I wanted to find more music like that, right? And I eventually did. Um, a lot of his music is based off of vehicles and cars, and there's, like, some of them have the names of cars as the whole song, like, you know, Testarossa or whatever. Um, there's, like, a storyline in, like, one of the EPs, which I can't remember the name of right now, maybe it's Outrun, or it's Teddy Boy or something, where there's, like, a ghost, um, driver who he had, like, died in a car crash, and, and, you know... His stuff is very, very instrumental for the most part, but there's, like, verbal overlays that help tell a story at times, um, where it's kind of like a narration, I guess, and describing things when, when need be. I mean, Night Call has some vocals, but with a lot of EDM-style music, uh, electronic-based music, there sometimes are vocals, for sure. It's not just all instrumental. There's a huge breadth and depth of, of electronic music and when we get into this being retrowave or synthwave whatever you want to call it that's there as well some of this music is very very instrumental no vocals ever or just has like a certain word or line that's repeated every once in a while um that's the hook and there's nothing else other than that for vocals so it really depends there's a range i started with night call got into kavinsky really enjoyed it from there, because I was looking it up. Again, YouTube can sometimes be an insanely great tool, incidentally, because as I was looking up this stuff on YouTube, suggested videos. Well, there was a guy named Tokyo Rose. Okay, I'm going to check that out. Same kind of theme as Kavinsky, based off of cars chasing, racing, um, this romanticizing of vehicles. The music in itself of synthwave and retrowave, to me, is one of those genres, almost as a whole, and obviously this isn't true for every single artist, but I mean the genre to me at its best, and what I like about it best, is that it exemplifies this term, which I talked about with a perfect circle, romanticism and darkness. Now it does it in a very different way. A lot of the times, like with these two artists, you know, Tokyo Rose and Kavinsky, it's almost like they're romanticizing these, you know, vehicles. It is the most beautiful, perfect driving music. If you are taking just a cruise at night, you know, just like, or sunset, or whatever, you're taking the scenic route, you're, you know, not, it's not something that I like to start and stop to a lot, um, like driving downtown or something, but it has this vibe, this feeling of just like, you know, sometimes with, with Tokyo Rose too, like there's like these chase scenes, and it's like, it makes you feel this anxiety almost of being in a chase, there's sirens going off sometimes, and it's, it's nuts, so that, that's what first brought me in. But then, the thing was I found Tokyo Rose through a network called New Retro Wave. They got a YouTube channel, there's like some Bandcamp-associated stuff. I thought at first they were a label, but I would say that they present themselves more as a network that promotes retro wave artists, synth wave artists, that, that are not associated with them directly in any label-type capacity. So, um, 
because I found that channel, I was like, yo, there's a whole genre and it's called Retrowave. Is that what's happening here? And then I started to see the links back to the 80s and I started to see this new, uh, I guess, wave, this new wave of, of going back to those influences, those styles, picking apart what, what you like and dislike and whatever and infusing it into your own music, right? Into your, filtering it through yourself in a certain way. Now I found that Kavinsky and Tokyo Rose, because they both got this like car element in their music um, that's like themed for that, it's it's definitely, it sets them apart, I would say, from a lot of other artists who are doing things that are very influenced by synth wave or synth pop or new wave uh, music from the 80s that could have been way more romantic in a traditional sense. Um, and it still has this dark element to it, and it still has a romance element to it. They're just romanticizing vehicles and the experience of driving vehicles. Um, and there's a whole other, I think, concept that goes along with that and the, and what you feel while you're listening to the music in a vehicle and, and everything else. Like, it's just, check it out. Um, you know, I would start with Kavinsky and, and Night Call um, and, and go from there. But anyway, so... Being on this this YouTube channel, subscribing to it, new retro wave. Um, I man, I haven't checked in a long time. I think they have a Bandcamp as well, but I can't remember. Uh, so this network on YouTube. At some point, I want to say about three ish, three ish, four years ago. Um, there was at some point they promoted a song by Trevor Something, and I don't remember what song it was. I am fairly sure that it was off of the first thing that I believe he put out, and I might be wrong, which is not this per se, this is just how it's stylized now in its uh, vinyl format and does not have as many songs as the actual mixtape does, uh, but Trevor Something does not exist. So there is, I mean the whole album is on YouTube as well, I mean Trevor Something has a band camp, a ton of the digital releases on there are incredibly free. <laughs> Uh, also incredibly cheap. We were to buy the digital releases. He does vinyl releases. He does some um, cassette tape releases as well. So he's good about having both of those options available um, because I do enjoy the physical uh, copies of, of things for sure. Um, but yes, so uh, mixtape Trevor something does not exist. Great, amazing. Uh, he covers. Um, again, and this is again being very aware. I find that this is a genre of music where people are the creators and artists are very very aware of their influences wear it on their sleeve proudly and try to do something different. Um, I guess another artist I'll throw out there that I enjoy um, is One that I can't remember the name Oh, the midnight. Um, so there's there's some tracks by the midnight that I also very much enjoy um, It's a genre that I got really into really quickly and heavy for a little bit of time then I found some artists I really liked, including Trevor Something, and for some reason, because I, whatever, I just hooked onto Trevor Something so hard, I, like, stopped exploring new artists. Um, I kind of do that sometimes, like, I'll read magazines about new artists, or I'll find them by accident, or I, like, screenshot something to look up later, and sometimes later is months and months later before I look them up. Um, but I definitely, like, just got sucked in, and then just kind of, like, that faded away a bit. Um, and just, I kind of go back to certain artists and not checking out as many artists that, that I see promoted even through New Retrowave. Anyway, so, 
the mixtape, Trevor Something Does Not Exist. I don't remember what song I heard, but I was like, yo, this is fresh. Like, this is something different. This is taking that style in a different direction. Um, on that mixtape, I was going to say before I interrupted myself, he's a cover of Enjoy the Silence. Um, and again, a very, you know, it was Depeche Mode, 80s. Um, other bands have covered it, you know, like, or other artists have covered it. Um, why can't I think of the name right now? It starts with an I. Anyway, there's like a metal band that I can think of that they covered it, and it was a wonderful cover. The song by itself is a beautiful song. Um, and Trevor Something kind of does a cover of that on the mixtape. And he's got these little bits and pieces. He's got some ode to some, you know, even video games. Like, there's like a Street Fighter, like, interlude thing with, like, Chun-Li and, like, some other stuff. So there is, like, this kind of... It definitely does feel like a mixtape. Um, again, you've got some, some other elements of things he's playing with that aren't only his original works. Uh, and he's got a lot of his original works on there. And he plays with just some interludes and, like I said, this cover and whatever else. So, um, I mean, there is another song on there that I can't remember the name of now that I think takes some lyrics from, was it Blue Monday? I can't remember now. I should have uh, looked that up beforehand. Anyway, so Trevor Something Does Not Exist, that's what hooked me into Trevor Something altogether. I don't remember the song, but then I ended up finding just the album on YouTube and this is when I was teaching at the time, too, in art class, high school art class. So I would play the majority of that album in class. There's, like, a song here or there where there's some profanes, and I would, like, be close to the computer, or I would have that song skipped or whatever. Um, and, and, yeah. So, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but, yeah, that's what hooked me in. I think I'll jump right away to saying, so his, his full length, that he put out that year, um, which I believe was his first full-length like, LP, is uh, Synthetic Love. So I love the title of this. I love the album as a whole. It's pretty much all killer, no filler. Like I can't think of something right now that I'm like, oh yeah, I just skipped that song. I mean, great songs on here. All Night, Miami Nights, Love You Again, um, Synthetic Love, Something About You. Like, just bangers. Just like dingers um just beautiful beautiful songs and this is the thing so i talked before about synthwave almost exemplifying a different style of romanticism and darkness i really enjoyed what kaminsky and tokyo rose were doing and other artists where they're taking this romanticizing instead of it being romanticizing love itself or lust or um you know romance and 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 connection with with other people in that sense, it's more about... I mean, it's, it's still about relationships, but again, it's relationships almost with with vehicles and how people... and transportation and... I don't know. There's a certain romance of the vehicle and certain types of vehicles and what you do with those vehicles and those vibes that they, they've done something unique with, I think. Trevor Something brings us back to something that'll never get old, which is talking about human relationships. And I guess you could call it the love song. On the mixtape, there's songs on there that I don't really feel fit that, right? But we go to, you know, the same year, we get this full-length synthetic love, and it's it's a beautiful representation of what he is talking about in there, that a lot of this is lust, disguised as love, romanticizing, but being aware that you're romanticizing lust, sometimes even drug culture. Um, I would say that that's a very minor part of... of you know, most albums by Trevor something, but sometimes that's that's in there. It definitely is something that gets romanticized, 
a lot. Um, I don't mean by him, I just mean, like, in contemporary times, and has always, I guess it's always been romanticized as long as, you know, music and drugs have been a thing. Um, so that gets in there a little bit too, but there's, like, a tongue-in-cheek and awareness that this isn't necessarily a good thing, or, I don't want to say it's sarcasm sometimes, but it almost feels that way, but not in, like, a funny ha-ha way, you made a joke, but, again, tongue-in-cheek is a better word for it. So, there's a little bit of that in there, and again, by calling the album Synthetic Love, that's the thing, is, like, we have this, this album with this concept, with the lyrics, the, the, the content being love songs, talking about lust. There's a song called One Night Stand, you know, talking about meeting somebody in a club and wanting to take them home. Um, these things that we're very familiar with as tropes, but again, his, part of it is, again, I don't never know what order to do these things in. Trevor something, also, I mean, he records, produces, mixes, does the vocals, like, writes everything on there. The one-man show. So he, his brand, I guess we can call it, of Retrowave, is very vocal. Um, there's rarely a full-blown instrumental track on some of these albums. And, you know, the mixtape has a couple, um, some newer albums have a couple, but on, like, Synthetic Love, I don't, I don't know if there is one. Um, he's very, very vocal. He does the vocals himself. I haven't heard him have guest vocals yet, but maybe he does... Um, there's some albums I definitely only listen to once and then haven't listened to them again, and some I've listened to a ton of times. Um, these two are, you know, some of those. Uh, Trevor Something Does Not Exist and Synthetic Love. So again, tongue-in-cheek, self-aware, um, hard on sleeve. There is... Th I, I, I've used this word before, and it's definitely not with any negativity, but desperation. There's something about love that puts you in a vulnerable position and almost a desperate position that's not necessarily the healthiest, healthiest way to be, but I really think that there's a certain type of person, certain brand of love and relationship and time in your life where you've probably felt this. A lot of people, I'm sure, have felt this in their teens, this desperation of wanting to be loved back or to figure out what love is and to have a relationship that involves those things. Um, and there is desperation on a lot of these these tracks. It's just not done in a way that, like I said, I'm criticizing. It's not done in a way... It's very authentic and, and real. It's not... It doesn't reach pathetic status. Because I think that's the thing about being desperate. I mean, there's things that you could be desperate for, like life, you know? Desperate for life in a way that makes you want to live life. And I think that when you talk about being desperate for love, you can completely diverge and go through the pathetic route or the more genuine, authentic route, and this doesn't seem pathetic to me whatsoever. Um, but there is a, a desperation here. Um, but it's part of that romantic, like, side of this, I guess it's a romantic side of, of this music. It's like a, it's, it, it is the primary force, like, there's still this dark vibe within these beats, within this... Ugh, I don't know what to call it. I mean, it feels like water. Calling it retro wave, or the, I mean, you know, if we go back to the first terms being new wave or whatever, British new wave and all this stuff. But I mean, there's just even the word wave to me, I feel like I am in water at night. I'm in a body of water at night, and it's a dark, cool, sexy 
feeling, you know what I mean? Um, being outdoors, there's just the moon, the stars, whatever. Like, if you can envision that, sometimes that's what I feel, like, when I'm, just with the genre as a whole sometimes, but especially with Trevor something. But sometimes he puts you in different places. He puts you in scenarios where, you know, you are at a club or you are just with somebody. You don't know where, but, like, I can't imagine, first of all, listening to the stuff during the day. Yes, you can, but it's, like, weird. It's, like... I don't know, if you're a person who never has gone to a matinee and you go to your first matinee and you walk out of the theater in the daylight, you're like, what is happening right now? Like, I thought that we, the movie would be done and we would maybe take a drive home and talk about the movie and then go to bed. Like, um, but it's like, it's the middle of the day still and there's other stuff we have to do? Like, that's weird. Sometimes listening to Trevor something, or a lot of retrowave artists, I find, it's very associated, to me, I associate it with the night. Um, when I talk about darker stuff, it's not... Again, dark does not mean evil to me. Dark, um, that's just a part of the human condition, right? Like romanticizing darkness, romanticizing these feelings that aren't necessarily celebrated, um, not necessarily always positive. There, there's conflict, right? And a lot of this conflict is with the self that he talks about. A lot of the conflict is with, you know, relationships. I mean, relationships are filled with conflict and resolution and push and pull and back and forth. And, I mean, he's talking about the human condition, relationships, um, a lot of that. And, again, mostly I was talking about these two albums. You know, Trevor Something Does Not Exist and Synthetic Love. Um, again, I really love the fact that he is so... I don't think he's beating people over the head with the idea, but I think he's making it obvious in a way. Like, yes, synthetic love. This is not love. But we, yet we romanticize this, I think him including... And there's a reason behind that. And then that is part of that darkness, is the fact that sometimes we are romanticizing lust instead of love. And I think he would have lust in love. Like, if there's a lot of healthy, romantic, long-term relationships that are founded and, and, and based on love. And people being in love. And they can lust for each other too, right? Um, but, I mean, there's a lot of times where, again, things like One Night Stand or whatever, like that song and others that are romanticizing lust and how he is saying, without saying that this isn't a good thing, he's saying this is synthetic love, though. This is not real love, necessarily. Even in the songs, though, being a quote-unquote love song, um, it comes across that way. But he's aware of that, and I think he lets the listener aware of that as well. Whew. Okay. In saying all that, there's these two other albums behind me, um, Ultra Paranoia and Deep Wave Data Dark Web Demons, which is the newest full-length by Trevor Something, released 2020. Um, they are the other two albums I listen to the most, and uh, to me the next two strongest albums. Um, he definitely, in both of them, gets away from as much obvious, like, love song, love song, love song, cel not celebrating, but like, um, speaking about love, lust, drugs, nightlife, um, I don't want to say that it's matured, I'm just saying that the content is a little bit different. There are still some of those songs on there, but also there's a little more texture to these songs. Um, there's definitely a little more instrumental element and focus and attention paid, to that, as well as it almost seems like, and, and I think it started before these two albums, but there is somewhat of this interesting play that he has 
with speaking about mortality in a different way, um, with talking about the digital. I mean, he is an artist, I think, born out of this digital age, right? Um, even thinking about, like, oh, what instruments is... You know, we talk about synthwave, we're talking about synthesizers. We're talking about not an old-school physical piano. Like, no, we're talking about something that is mimicking a piano and creating that sound electronically, and there's, you know, chords involved and batteries and all this other stuff that we're talking about a synth, synthesizer. So, I mean, like, even just born from the 80s, it had this more electronic feel to it, and, I mean... He's drawing influence from that, but also in contemporary times, and I think that's what he does so well. The music in itself, if you were not... I don't know. I was born in the late 80s. Uh, mid to late 80s. I was born in 86. So for me, there was a lot of this music that I missed out on, but there was remnants of it still that I could hear in my youth on the radio. But a lot of that stuff wasn't super, super popular anyway to be on the radio. At least in the early 90s. Uh, things have changed. So, I got a sprinkling of leftover influence or awareness of this music, but I, you know, wasn't super familiar with it. I didn't have a lot of influence from other people in my life at that time with music, and they weren't into this stuff anyway. But, I mean, that's the thing, is that he can use that stuff and still have contemporary concepts. Um, I mean, age-old concepts like love, right? And mortality and lust and whatever else. Romance. But still doing, talk, I don't know, he, it's not a throwback. It's not a copycat. It's still, again, very authentic and original material that is using these elements. But now more than ever, digital, you know, and, and electronic or whatever, how we make music, even if you're making another genre of music, if you're thinking about using Guitar Pro and, like, um, I can't even think of how many other programs that are being used to just create music. You don't have to be in the same room as your band. You can be making metal music that has no quote-unquote electronic influences. It just should be guitars and drums and vocals and bass or something like that. Yet, so you can you can program all of that stuff without touching your physical instrument if you wanted to, right? Um, so I think he's an artist that is so born of not just the influence from 40 years ago, but also contemporary times now with technology. And also speaking about, again, mortality and like, even just that first mixtape, Trevor Something Does Not Exist, just playing with identity. And we talk about social media and identity and stuff like that and anonymity and all these things. And also being this artist who's prolific, by the way, he drops a full-length album every year since 2014, so that's been six years, and he has EPs along the way. And I mean, this first album, you know, Cycle, if you want to call it that, is a mixtape, a full-length mixtape, I should say, as well, not like an EP. Um, so yeah, he's got six full-length albums, and he has, I think, just as many EPs and mixtapes and stuff alongside that, if, if you know. And uh, a lot of this is released digitally, for incredibly cheap or free through Bandcamp. Um, and then he has, you know, these physical releases as well, which is just... I know that it's not just him, it's like a sign of the times of, like, going back and getting vinyl and whatever, but, I mean, the 80s, that's what you were listening to, vinyl. Um, for the most part. So, yeah. I just, I, I don't know where else to go from there. Trevor Something is the bomb. Um, I try to describe the feeling... I um, there's times where I have painted to his music. I've been at the studio alone at night and just, like, been listening to his music, creating a painting, doing whatever, like, writing. 
Um, it, it there's certain songs that are just man, they they are a certain feeling. So, um, again, a darkness, a romantic sense within that darkness that can't be separated at all. I don't listen to his music and feel bad. It's not that type of darkness. Um, it doesn't leave me feeling icky. So, anyway, that is kind of just my, I don't know, my, my, my thoughts, um, my history with Retrowave, how I was introduced to it, some artists along the way, um, and specifically I did want to talk about Trevor something just as an artist because I think he is an amazing artist. I think that he just has a vision and he's a true, again, a true artist. Like, putting out an album a year um, is very risky. I mean, there's a reason why, I think there's a lot of reasons why, and they have to do with the music industry, but we won't get into all that. But if you think back to the 70s and 80s, a lot of rock bands and, and stuff like that, metal bands, classic rock, whatever, were putting out an album a year. Like, Queen put an album a year out. Like, there's so many albums. Kiss did that for a while, too. There's other artists that did. I don't really feel like that's where you get your best work. You don't have time to to have, like, album cycles, touring cycles, and, like, make new music and reflect on stuff and evolve in a certain way. I really like, you know, the two-year album cycle seems to be a lot better, I think. Or... I mean, some people you know, pull a tool and wait seven years between albums or whatever. Um, but I find that Trevor Something is still putting out good, fresh music for the most part. Like I said, there's some albums I listen to more than others, but they're not only the first ones. These are just the ones that hit me the hardest in a certain way, and that's a lot of concepts and stuff. But the latter two, um, you know, again, Ultra Paranoia and... Uh, Deep Wave, da Deep Wave Data, Dark Web Demons, or Diamonds. Um, yeah, those two are still great, and I, everything in between is still good. Um, working at that pace, I'm really curious as to what's going to happen with Trevor Something in the future. Again, I think he's doing some really original work. Um, he's separated himself, I believe, from the pack of Retro Wave artists. That's how I feel. Uh, I feel like he's just an authentic voice. Not just, I mean, like, his vocal cords and his physical voice, but I mean, like, artistically. Um, and I think he's hitting on some nuanced, complex things, but doing it in such a pop sensibility. And it's still accessible to people who generally don't like pop, like me. Um, that's all I have to say right now about Retrowave and Trevor Something. Uh, check out some of the stuff that I've mentioned. Um, I'll drop some links in the description as well if you're watching this on YouTube. If you're not watching it on YouTube, again, all my conversations, reviews, and other stuff that's based off of auditory only uh, can be found in the podcast too. So you can check the link tree in the description for the podcast, Artist Personal Journalist. And uh, with that, we will see you on another time. Listen to some Trevor something.